Hello there. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. We are just about ready to get going here to start uh, another session of Sunday School. It is 9.30 a.m. And uh, good morning to everyone. Uh, appreciate you being here. While we are uh, getting ready here, we're going to go ahead and play some music uh, from the praise team uh, to get started. Trey McLaughlin, uh, Open the Eyes of My Heart. Uh, it's a cover song, so we'll go ahead and do that, do that right now.
Good morning. Morning, Arlen. Okay, uh, that was uh, Trey McLaughlin, uh, Open the Eyes of My Heart, and uh, all I can tell you is that that was a beautiful song to even sing to and listen to uh, as we get ready for Sunday school this morning. It's a great way to get us into the, the mood. And as far as singing is concerned, uh, I'm great in the shower, uh, and that's about it. So <laughs> that's the most you're going to get out of me, uh, <laughs> but, and also it helps to have coffee. Uh, to help you get ready uh, in the morning as well, too. Uh, so we have a couple of announcements here to make. Um, I want to make sure that we're remembering also to uh, uh, provide tithes and offerings for the church. Uh, the, the, um, uh, if you're going to mail your tithe or offering, uh, the church address is Akron Alliance Fellowship 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio. Four four three two zero. If you are coming to church uh, today, um, and it should be very nice outside, by the way. It's uh, sunny right now. It's supposed to get cloudy later, but it's supposed to be pretty decent temperature, upper 60s to near 70 degrees. Uh, a little breezy, so keep that in mind, too. But if you're bringing your tithes and offerings to the church, please uh, uh, use the deposit box uh, right, to the, uh, right in front of the uh, entrance on the side of the church, uh, and it'll be securely put there. One thing I do want to point out, too, that I've uh, neglected to mention, this is, I did mention it in a text last night to the group, the uh, missionary conference is concluding uh, at our church today. And there is a, a slight restriction that we have to kind of put up for uh, recording the speaker for the missionary conference. We probably will not record the uh, session for the speaker today. And that's usually for security reasons. Uh, so what we will do is we will provide the praise team music uh, and what I'll try to do if I if it's all possible is come up with some sort of a transcript of whatever is said from the speaker and we'll just make sure that we do that we do that out of an abundance of caution um, so it was something that we it's probably the only restriction we have uh, as far as any kind of broadcasting is concerned with 
uh, with church. So that's one thing that I'm going to just give you a heads up on right now for those who are staying with us later on after 11 o'clock, that we'll probably do the praise team, uh, praise music, uh, provide that information, and after that uh, we'll go offline um, for the actual sermon uh, that takes place uh, for the speaker. So just giving you that as a heads up so that you will not be uh, wondering what's going on or caught off guard because we won't be broadcasting. I'll put a reminder up uh, before we do that. Uh, when we do that as well, too, just to give you a heads up. But for those of you who are in Akron, you're welcome to join us in Akron uh, at the church for the uh, conclusion of the missionary conference um, uh, at church today. So with that in mind, we're going to go ahead and jump into our lesson. We've got a few verses to cover and to go back over. And we are in Galatians, um, and we are going to actually start reading in chapter 3, verse 26, and go to uh, chapter 4, verse 20. We're going to start with a word of prayer because that's always appropriate at this time, uh, making sure that we are allowing the Spirit to do all of the work to give us insight as far as where we need to be when it comes to what the Word is saying to us. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've set aside for us to have Sunday school, to be able to have this time to speak to you through your Word as your Word speaks to us. We thank you, Lord, for your very presence this morning. We thank you for how you... Just want to keep teaching us, encouraging us, enlightening us, giving us insight into what is being said, and especially what's being said here in Galatians by Paul to the church. Um, A very heartfelt uh, speech statement that's being made in his letter to them. I pray, Lord, that you'll give us application for how we can use that today. We give you thanks and we give you all the praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And as a quick reminder, too, while I'm thinking about it, too, uh, keep praying for Pastor Gus's recovery. Uh, He's coming along. Um, We're going to just keep keep him in prayer as he continues to get better and better. Uh, I know he's got a couple of uh, messages coming up in October. This is the last Sunday in September. My goodness. uh, My wife pointed out to me. I'm like, yeah, we're we're moving right along here. Um, The year is going. the, The calendar just keeps moving. The clock keeps ticking. So with that, <laughs> so we'll keep that. We'll keep that in mind. That was a thumbs up um, from my lovely bride over here. Okay, let's get into the uh, word here. Galatians three, uh, verse twenty-six through chapter four, verse twenty. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, a very readable translation. Uh, please follow along in your own version. Um, and uh, when we get through reading it, we're going to go back over it and and talk about these. Uh, messages about sons of God and Paul's concern for the Galatians. So let's start reading, starting with verse 26 in chapter 3 of Galatians. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Verse, or chapter 4, verse 1. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They had to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. 
Verse 3, and that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. Verse 4, but when the, time right, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Verse 8. Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say, now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? You are trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. I fear for you. Perhaps all my hard work with you was for nothing. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things, for I have become like you, Gentiles, free from those laws. You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Verse 13. Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. But even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me or turn me away. No, you took me in and cared for me as though I were an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? I am sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if it had been possible. Have I now become your enemy because I am telling you the truth? Verse 17. Those false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They're trying to shut you off from me so that you will not pay it so you will pay attention only to them. If someone is eager to do good things for you, that's all right, but let them do it all the time, not just when I'm with you. Verse 19. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. I wish I were with you right now so I could change my tone, but at this distance, I don't know how else to help you. Well, one thing, I'm wondering if Galatians is not often uh, studied as much uh, in Bible studies. It's because of maybe the way the content is presented, and maybe it's because Paul is kind of, admonishing the Galatians here in this letter. So it's not exactly always a positive tone. It's actually kind of a tone where uh, he's basically telling them, buck up. Uh, yeah, it's not a good, not a feel-good moment. Um, it's, it's something that we have to understand that Scripture is very balanced where, of course, the Lord wants to encourage us, and sometimes he wants to admonish us to make sure that we're doing exactly what we need to do as a people. And I think that <clears throat> because of this, and because of the way this is presented, I want you to understand that it, it is Paul who is trying to essentially speak to those of us who are in the faith, who understand what the faith is, but we get distracted by so many things that have nothing to do with the worship of Jesus Christ. So let's go back over the text and kind of talk about this a little bit. Go back to the top, and remember we're back in chapter 3, verse 26. Of, uh, Mrs. Gaines read that last verse for context last week to try to end a sentence. In the, in the statement, 
Um, and the way it was broken up in the Bible uh, is that it actually ends in one place and begins another. So that, that's fine. But we're going to go back to verse 26. It says, For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean putting on new clothes uh, like every day, changing your clothes? Well, not exactly. Um, the verses are referring to what normally takes place in Roman society, which is right where they were. They were right embedded with society and Roman customs. And the normal custom at that time was that a youth who comes of age, almost like a bar mitzvah type situation, but this is a different one. This is actually in Roman society. A youth comes of age, uh, lays aside the robe of childhood, and puts on a new toga, a new garment. And that's a representation of his move into adult citizenship. He becomes an adult with full rights and responsibilities. So Paul was trying to show this cultural understanding with the concept of baptism. What does it mean when you're, uh, when you're getting baptized? You're throwing off the old and you're being covered by the new. You're putting on Christ. So that's what was, he was trying to explain here and represent to them because they would understand that. So by becoming Christians and being baptized, the Galatian believers were becoming spiritually grown up. This is an, a, a trip into adulthood. In other words, you're not acting like a child anymore. You're now acting like an adult who is an adult in Christ, as opposed to some of us, uh, unfortunately, who have adulthood but don't understand the realities of being an adult. But here we're talking about being an adult in Christ, being spiritually grown up, ready to take on privileges and responsibilities of the more mature, a mature believer. Paul was saying that he had, they had laid aside the old clothes of the law and were putting on Christ's new robe of righteousness. Um, let's take a look at a passage and, and see if that gels well. 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Yeah, okay, so this passage is, is showing what we're, we're doing here and we're taking on this whole thing about baptism and is showing people or showing the world or individuals that you are now determined to live a new life in Christ. Um, and what does that represent? It represents what Christ did for us. Um, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. Uh, 5, verse 21, uh, in the English Standard Version. Uh, so you'll understand that. And let's look at one more passage very quickly. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. It seems as though we see examples of verses where it talks about putting off the old self and putting on the new. This is something that we have to do as believers on a daily basis. Put off the old and put on the new because you have to have the mindset that you need to look to Christ on a regular basis, on a daily basis. If you don't do that, if you fall into bad habits, if you fall out of the word, if you're not reading and studying scripture, you're now falling into, um, I won't call it a trap, I'll call it a, a situation where your flesh is going to gravitate towards things that are fleshly as opposed to gravitating towards those things that are in Christ. So for that, for that reason, let's look what it says here. Verses 23 and 24, we're talking about putting off the old and putting on the new. And it says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds 
and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. What does Jesus want us to embrace? His righteousness, his holiness, his lifestyle should be your lifestyle. The way that you live should reflect exactly what he is trying to teach us uh, in our lives. So if you drop down to verse 28, there is no longer Jew or back to Galatians 3 verse 28. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then verse 29, and now that you belong to Christ, you are true, the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. So what does that represent? First of all, understand that you're still getting a group of people together in the church, people who don't know each other, people who are learning about each other. What happens when you have a new experience in a church? You have to get to know the people who you are having church with, and you're getting them to know them, and sometimes it's not a very comfortable thing to do. Sometimes it's rather uncomfortable. Um, you're gravitating around people who are different than you. They may think differently. They may act differently. They may say things they may not speak the same way you do they may have a different type of language but that doesn't mean that uh, that you should avoid that situation you should be trying to gravitate uh, to those individuals too not just gravitate to those people who are just like us uh, or just like who we are um, that's a challenge for all of us when it comes to diversity challenge to get to know other people challenge uh, challenge to minister to others people who are not like us people who think differently, people who have maybe a different lifestyle than we do. Um, we are still called to have fellowship with everyone as we learn more about them. So what we need to make sure that we're doing, we are making sure that we are not allowing the differences of people to separate you from what is really clear biblical teaching. We're supposed to be speaking and talking to everyone. Make it a point to seek out and appreciate other people who are uh, you know, just not like you or not like your friends. That's a challenge for a lot of churches today. We know how people, when they visit church, are sometimes made to feel very uncomfortable and maybe because of the vibe they get. Well, what Paul is saying here to the Galatians and reminding them is that we're all in this together. Uh, no matter where we're coming from, no matter what our background is, we're all in this whole situation together. We are all worshiping uh, together, We're worshiping God together. We're getting together in fellowship. But the challenge now is to stretch yourself a little bit and even try to communicate or even befriend people who are completely different from you, a different way of speaking, a different way of thinking. That's the challenge in the body of Christ that we have. And I wanted to make sure that you're aware that this is something that Paul was reminding the Galatians here. It's the gospel is what we need to pay attention to, what Christ is telling us to do. Um, the, the 12 different disciples were 12 different people. Um, that's something that maybe people don't think about. You think that they're all like-minded. No, they came from different backgrounds. They came from different areas. And Jesus made it a point to gather different people from different places to be representative of those people he's discipling. And that is exactly what he wants us to also do when we are discipling and ministering to other individuals. So let's drop down. Now we're in chapter 4 of Galatians. And let's take a look at the additional explanation. And I hope that you can pick up on this as I read it, that Paul is really concerned about making sure that the Galatians are not being thrown off um, from what they are experiencing in church. Uh, and I'll explain that as we go further along. 
So he says in verse 1, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. And then drop down to verse 4. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. So the reason why he went through this explanation about what happens when we become believers, honestly, I think to summarize what he's saying here, he's saying basically when we first came to know Jesus Christ, and he's making the comparison about an inheritance when a father dies and leaves it to his children, we don't know anything more as children. We are, in, we are equated to, according to the way he put it here, the slaves. Now, he's making that comparison with people who are, um, who are Gentiles and Jews, and he's making this distinction. And, of course, slavery back then was very commonplace. So what he was trying to do is make the analogy that when you are a new believer... Um, you are just learning about everything. You are no different than anybody else. The one thing that God did for us is that he died for all of us and so that he could adopt us as his own children when he died on the cross for us. And he is sending us, he sent us, he's sending the spirit to us. So what he wanted to make sure that you understood here was that um, the basic spiritual principles of this world are the elementary stages of religious practice whether the religion was Jewish or pagan. And so that Paul was using the illustration of slavery to show that before Christ came and died for sins, people were in bondage to the law. That's what we need to see. We were in bondage to the law. Remember, the law was what existed before Christ came. And, of course, it existed when he came and when he left as well, too, because Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of the law. And so what we need to understand is that the Spirit has to teach us. Remember we said this earlier, the Spirit has to teach us to avoid fleshliness and pursue godliness. And that's the same thing here. He's saying that we were in bondage because we kept trying to follow the law. And we were enslaved because we kept failing as we tried to pursue the law. We pursued the law, but it was a big failure. We couldn't get through that. But now that we are slaves, we were once slaves, but we're now God's very own children, we have an intimate relationship with him. And thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit to give us this intimate relationship. That's what we need to see here. It is our intimacy with him through the power of the Holy Spirit that helps us to be able to do what? Come boldly into his presence. We don't have any barriers now. We don't have to worry about any barriers keeping us from the Lord. Where the law is what kept us from the Lord, frankly. Uh, we weren't able to go to him right away because we had to go through uh, a priest making uh, a, a sacrifice on our behalf. That's all been eliminated. We can now come boldly into his presence. We become now family members. We are now heirs. And that goes back to the reference of the inheritance. We have 
not an earthly inheritance, but an eternal inheritance that we have because of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Very important for us to see how he's using this as a way to teach the Galatians by using examples that they can relate to in life at that time. And I think that this is what God is trying to teach us here too, is that um, none of us uh, should in any way, any way, shape, or form feel as though we don't have any ability to see the Lord Jesus Christ. We all can go to him boldly once we establish and develop that relationship with him. And what about that relationship? The relationship starts on a very elementary level. It starts in a level where we are still learning about Jesus Christ moment by moment. Um, we are learning about Christ as we live our lives every day. Uh, I became a believer in Christ in the year 1986. And there was still a lot that I had to learn uh, from 1986 until today. And it was a challenge for me because there was a lot of uh, coming and going, not understanding everything, and still learning about Jesus Christ, still learning about what it meant to get involved in a church, still learning about what it meant to be involved in fellowship. But the most important thing, though, is not so much those latter things that I mentioned, but the fact that I need to learn more about Jesus Christ. And it starts on a very elementary level, and it's the Spirit that prompts us and teaches us to know the direction we need to take in our life. And I think I've shared this before, too. I'm not really sure how often, but sometimes in the midst of learning these things, you also realize that you still have additional potential to do things in Christ that you didn't know you had before. But he still has to teach you. Remember, Paul had to step away before he was even really involved in ministry. He was uh, on the sidelines, I'll call it, on the sidelines learning for about 14 years. So there's a lot of time that goes by sometimes as you learn more about Jesus Christ and learn more about development under Christ. And that's not a bad thing. It's all in God's timing. No, we say God's timing, and sometimes we try to put God's timing into our timing. And God's timing and our timing are not the same. They are completely different. Uh, God's timing is strictly uh, his and his alone. And we, are, we need to make sure that we're subjecting ourselves to understanding, yes, Lord, in your timing. Yes, Lord, keep teaching me. Yes, Lord, keep providing instruction for me. Yes, Lord, help me day by day as I go through all kinds of junk to be able to function in this world. Sometimes we have to understand something. The Lord is always teaching us. He's teaching us in good times and, and also in bad times. He's teaching us in moments when we don't understand what's going on. He is even teaching us in the midst of dry spells where you're not quite sure what's happening. And that's something that we really, really need to understand about God's timing when it comes to teaching us. And if Paul needed 14 years, remember he was, before he was Saul and then he became Paul, then he still needed time to learn and give instruction. And this is even all before he wound up in prison. He still had to learn. And in that learning, we are learning in our development with Jesus Christ. Our relationship with him must be getting stronger. Remember what it says back in verse 6? And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. That's a, 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 a meaning of a statement of thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you are here. Thank you, Lord, that you're teaching me. And you have greater understanding because of the spirit. So let's go now down further into the passage, back to Galatians chapter 4, uh, verse 8. 
Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that you do not even exist. Let's stop there for a moment. One thing that we as believers need to make sure that we're always conscious of, and like I said earlier, we have to die to self and live for Christ every day. Not just one day a week, not just during Sundays, not just during church time. This is a daily process. Because we, if we don't do that, we will pay attention to these so-called gods that we are elevating into some sort of a godship that really don't mean anything. And what do I mean by that? Money, personal belongings, things, stuff, your own ego. All of these things are elevating uh, themselves to be above who God is. So we need to understand that we need to understand that we're slaves to those gods because we acknowledge them. And as long as we acknowledge those gods, we are not acknowledging the true God who truly is giving us freedom. He's giving us safety. He's giving us protection. He's giving us everything that we need in the midst of a difficult time to be able to function properly. So let's go back to verse 9 in Galatians 4. So now that you know God, or should I say now that God knows you, I looked at you I looked at the uh, camera when I read that before because, yes, you know God, but don't ever forget that God knows you. And God knows your heart. God knows your mindset. God knows your attitude. God knows um, when you're being good. God knows when you are turning away from him. I wasn't going to use a Santa Claus reference because, you know, we... Thank you. We appreciate that, right? Uh, are you going to get presents this year because you're being a good person or a not-so-good person? Well, there's a lot of truth to that. You know, there are some things that we need to understand that God wants to see our goodness. He does not want to see us be misbehaving. He does not want to see us uh, going contrary <laughs> to what God is saying. Thank you for your uh, injection as well, too, with that. Um, <laughs> so we need to make sure that we're understanding that God knows you. So now this is where um, Paul is speaking uh, with concern to the Galatians because he's looking at them. He's saying, uh, going back to uh, verse 9, So now that you know God, or should I say now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? Why are you going backwards? Why are you going in a direction that's away from God because, you know, is someone being clever in your life and trying to teach you with fancy words and, and make, make yourself, you know, this, saying things that you think sound spiritual and really they're, in reality they're not? Are, are what's going on where you're being so distracted? Is it the, is it the Judaizers that he's, uh, he's refers to in Galatians that keep trying to get them back into the law? Is it, are those people trying to trick you? Why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? You are trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. Now, that's a direct statement about um, observing certain days as being important and calling them maybe even high holy days. Well, what he's trying to teach them is that those high holy days are all well and good, but they should not be taking off the emphasis of who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is the Sabbath. Jesus Christ is the law. Jesus Christ is what our focus should be on, not on just following the word like in the Old Testament. 
Jesus Christ is the manifestation of all of those things that God had prepared for with his coming. Uh, it was all set up in the Old Testament, all prophesied that Jesus would be here in the Old Testament. Those are all things that we need to understand. Jesus Christ is our focus and remains our focus. And when you go back to Galatians 4.11, he says, I fear for you. Perhaps all my hard work with you was for nothing. Now, he's writing that out of frustration. We all get frustrated. We expect to see progress on, from some people sometimes, and you wonder what is going on that's keeping people from being, uh, from progressing in the word and the law. And, and the answer to that is a very simple answer. Satan does not want you to progress. Satan wants you to be stuck in certain places when it comes to the word. He wants you to be stuck when it comes to understanding of the word. He wants you to be, make just be kind of floundering and getting stuck on ritual and not on relationship. Remember, the world wants, there's all different kinds of religions. There's hundreds of different religions out there that believe in ritualistic practices. And I won't mention any names here because there's no need to. You know exactly what I mean. We, we, we are not in a religion. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship. That is what we have to always tell people when they ask us about different religions and religious practices. Because it's not about religion. That's exactly what Paul is saying to the Galatians. Dear brothers and sisters, verse 12, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things. Freedom. He's implying that the rituals are no, nothing more than bondage. It's, it's a trick. It's a way to get you focused off of Christ. So he wants you to become, he says, I plead with you to live in freedom from these things, for I become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. The Gentiles were not following God's law because they were not Jews. But now what he's doing is he, he's equating himself to the Gentiles because they were free from these laws. All they need to do was just accept and acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and that's all that mattered. And it's all this other stuff, this other gobbledygook that was getting in the way of these people having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember what we just said earlier. Churches have all different kinds of people in the walls of the church, all different kinds of backgrounds, all different kinds of teachings, all different kinds of ways of being brought up in the faith. And you get people who are brought up in the faith, and you don't, you look at them sometimes, listen to them talking like, where in the world did you learn that? Or where did you hear that? Or how is this teaching being brought forth? We can't assume that everybody who's coming up from different backgrounds or different teachings is being exposed properly to the word and even if they are being exposed properly to the word that they're offering or asking for guidance and understanding through the holy spirit we have to teach people to lean on the holy spirit first the spirit has to be the one to help us understand what we're being taught a lot of people try to learn and then try to get clever because they think they've memorized verses or they've learned this or learned that but they're not practicing anything so, I mean, boy, I've kind of veered off here a little bit. Just, But I'm, I'm giving you insight as to what Paul was concerned about here uh, with the Galatians. Don't veer off. Stay focused on Jesus Christ. Stay focused on all the teachings that you're being presented. That's what Paul is saying. I, all this hard work, you know, was it for nothing? Because you're just not getting it. 
Well, you can get it if you're letting the Spirit speak to you and you're listening to the Spirit. Remember, the Spirit never goes away, but you can ignore the Holy Spirit when he's trying to teach you something. And I've found it, I've seen it happen many times. I've seen people, they get instruction, they get the proper instruction, they get the proper teaching, and they decide that what they believe is more important at that moment than what they're being taught. Well, that means they're just not listening to the Spirit. They're not listening to what the Spirit's teaching is. We have to tell people, even before they know any real scripture at all, is to learn now how to develop that relationship with Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the one who teaches. We can read words all day long, but the Spirit has to give us wisdom and knowledge and guidance as we're doing the reading. Otherwise, we're just reading a novel. The Bible is just a novel. It's just another book just like any other book. If the Spirit is not speaking to us about what's being taught, it's just another novel. It's just another book. And that's what we have to understand. So now let's go further down. Uh, the second part of verse, thir- uh, verse 12. You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Verse 13. Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. But even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me or turn me away. No, you took me in and cared for me as though I were an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. Now, why is he saying all this? Paul was sick and he was enduring this while he was visiting the different churches in Galatia. And Paul is, of course, he's not 100% healthy. He hasn't been. And there's a reason for that, and that's something that God had to deal with him with. It says, um, I'm reading just what it says here as, as a commentary, the world is often callous to people's pain and misery. Paul commended the Galatians for not scorning him, even though his condition was a trial to them. He didn't tell them what was wrong with him. Um, but what he wanted them to understand, and he say that he appreciated the fact that even though he was really sick, And he could have been rejected because he was so profoundly ill that apparently it was an issue, maybe for some to consider turning away. But they actually took care of him. And so what Jesus wants us to do and to be reminded of all the time, we need to remember to care for those people who are homeless, who are hungry, who are sick, who are imprisoned, as if they were Jesus himself. Here's a passage that you're going to, I'm going to turn, have you turn to it, Matthew 25 verses 34 through 40 Matthew 25 verses 34 through 40 we'll go over this very quickly we need to understand that when we're ministering to other people we are living in such a way as Christ is living and we are making sure that we are giving them the proper attention as Christ would in our ministry I'll read the passages in the English Standard Version Matthew 25 Verses 34 through 40. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Verse 37, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? 
Verse 38, And when did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Verse 40, And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Christ is taking on those brothers and sisters who are less fortunate, who need a meal, who are sick, who need care, who were in prison. And by us ministering to them, not only are we doing ministry for him, we are ministering to Christ himself and showing that we have love and care and concern for others who are less fortunate. Can we always remember those people who are in pain or facing difficulty? Can we always remember those individuals and care for them in the same way as Jesus would do? And as we minister to them, we even minister to Jesus Christ. He is taking on those individuals who are less fortunate. He said in his word, there will always be the poor among us. Among us. There will always be the poor among us. And that poor represents more than just uh, money. It represents spiritual health. It represents physical health. It represents emotional health. The poorness is not just the money aspect. And I had to learn that. There's always going to be people who are spiritually poor. When we look at what he says in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, blessed are those who are you know, uh, less fortunate in just paraphrasing um, because those are the people who are close and near to God. And those are people we need to minister to. Those are the people that we need to look after. So that's what we are reminded of. And so I appreciate the fact that Paul mentions this. Now, he also comes back and does an admonishment to them right in the same paragraph. Verse 15, going back to Galatians 4. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? I am sure you would have taken out your own eyes and had given them to me if, I had been, if it had been possible. Have I now become your enemy because I am telling you? the truth and what was happening here was that paul was sensing that the galatians had lost the joy of their salvation through legalism there's that word again legalism serving in church should not be a ritual serving in church should be one where you are genuinely and thoughtfully looking and caring and concerning for the other person and that's exactly what he is trying to make sure that they understand too and what legalism does is it takes people it makes people feel guilty rather than loved. It produces self-hatred rather than humility. It stresses performance over relationship. It points out how far short we fall rather than how far we have come because of what Christ did for us. That's what legalism does. So if you're feeling guilty or inadequate in the fellowship, time to re-examine your focus. Time to call on the Lord Jesus Christ. Time for prayer. To see exactly where you are right now. Are you living by faith in Christ or by trying to live up to the demands and the expectations of others? So he sums it up at the end of the passage here, right back to verse 17 in Galatians 4. Those false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They are trying to shut you off from me so that you will pay attention only to them. If someone is eager to do good things for you, that's all right, but let them do it all the time, not just when I'm with you. In other words, don't be two-faced. You've heard that before. Don't just do it because you're in front of the pastor or in front of somebody or a teacher and then just retract from that behavior. 
that's that fleshliness that we have to put aside every day. Every day we have to struggle with this. Put aside this fleshly behavior and make sure that we're consistently doing these things all the time. That's, a, that's very important for us to see. And when Paul was saying at the end, Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. I wish I were with you right now so I could change my tone, but I don't know how to help you. He is just, he has a moment where he is so tied up with them spiritually, he wants to see them do well. He wants to see them succeed. Um, I'm sure he was praying for them to not be overcome by the devil or Satan or by those people who are not following Christ. So that was an ongoing struggle for him. He cared about those people as a father cares for his children or as a mother cares for her children. Uh, He loved them very deeply. He had deep concern for them. He wanted to make sure that they didn't remain faithless but remained faithful. Stand by anyone in Christ as you help them grow and develop. That's what you would do for your own kids. You're always there for them. You always want to be there for them when they reach out to you. Even if it takes them weeks and months to reach out to you, you want to always be there for them at the time when it's right, uh, when it's time to speak to them, to help them along as need be. Okay, let's close out in prayer because we are running a little long today. But I thank you for bearing with me. We want to cover a lot of that material and make sure we got through it. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've given us to just sit quietly and hear the Spirit speak to us right now. Lord, you are just so worthy of praise. You're worthy of our worship. I just thank you for the truths that you present to us in your word each day. I thank you for the teaching about how the Spirit continues to provide insight and guidance. And Lord, sometimes it's the timing that we get caught up on, but Lord, we need to always back up and say, wait a minute, do we really mean your timing? We really want to mean your timing in whatever you would have for us to do and however you would have us to learn and develop and grow. We thank you for those reminders. Bless us and keep us, Lord. Help us to go back over these passages and be able to learn more that you're teaching us. We give you praise and thanks for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to head down to Akron. We will be covering the uh, praise music portion because it is the second part of the missionary conference, the closing part of the missionary conference. We will not be including the message of the speaker uh, for security purposes. That is something that's very commonplace. Um, So what we will try to do is is try to get an encapsulation, if we can, of what the speaker said and present that. Um, perhaps even from an audio standpoint, if we can do that as well. So we'll see how that works. We'll give it our best shot. Uh, if at the very least, we'll try to do something where we cover and capture the um, uh, context of what's being said. So with that in mind, we're going to sign off here for Sunday School. We will be with you every week for Sunday School. Uh, no interruptions. We'll just keep doing this for as long as we can until such time as we get back into the building and do the regular thing. But we'll even be broadcasting then when we get back in. Um, Thank you for being with us this morning. God bless you all. Thanks for your loyalty. Thanks for your faithfulness. Um, Remember our church. Remember the tithes and offerings. offerings, um, And we just thank you again for your participation. God bless you all, and uh, we'll see you next time.